I was uh, st- uh, studying, and, and I sort of thought all week long that maybe this message the Lord was beginning to give me about the end times and about eternity, that the Lord was going to uh, bring that to me. And I remember, some of you may remember some years ago, I preached a series of messages uh, entitled End Time Preppers. Now, I wasn't talking about getting, you know, building a uh, stockade and supplying, stocking up on all of that. I talked about people getting ready because, folks, this thing's going to wrap up after a while. So I, I, I began to go back through my journals or sermon notes because I wanted to go back and visit that. You know, I, a lot of people say, oh, you're just trying to dust, dust off and over. No, no, no. Hey, that was God's wisdom then. It's still God's wisdom now. It's just like singing a song, you know. There's things that I said then that was good that needs to be said now and more added to it, and I find God doing that. So I had one of my journals out, and I was flipping through it, and, and I had been praying, Now, Lord, you show me what you... I don't want to do this because of me. I want you to show me what you want me to preach on this Sunday. And I was flipping through that, and I saw on a page what good is going to come out of this. And I, and the Lord just checked me, and I stopped, and I'll come back. I couldn't find it. And I said, okay, God, I can see what you're doing. What good is going to come out of this? And the Lord began to show me that there's situations and circumstances that people go through. And I, and I grant you, every one of us is facing something of some kind today. And you say, preach, you preach on that a lot. Well, we face a lot of circumstances, don't we? Face a lot of difficulties. It may be financial. It may be physical. It may be have something to do with your family, your your husband-wife relationship. It may have something to do with, with your children. You know, there's a whole lot of things. And, and you may be facing something that is church-related. I pray you're not. But there may be some things that you're going through. And, and sometimes we need to stop and, and just sit there for a moment. I'll try not to get close y'all enough y'all to spit on you this morning. <laughs> we need to stop and sit there for a moment and just, God, what good can come out of this? And I'm sure a lot of times we say, man, I don't see where anything good can come out of this. But I'm here to tell you today that regardless of what kind of situation that you may be going through, that you may be involved in, if you'll begin to look to God and trust God and let Him lead you through that, you notice I said through that, then you can see good come out of that. Now, there's two passages of scriptures I want to go to, and they're familiar. James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. And he says this, My brethren, and we can go ahead and say sisters and children and aunts and uncles and and everybody. This includes us all, especially Christian people. And you know, you've heard me say many times that believers and non-believers go through problems and difficulties alike. But we need to understand, folks, that as uh, as a believer, we're not immune from difficulties and circumstances coming along in life. I mean, it may be something physical in your body. As much as I believe God about healing, and I'm convinced that healing is for us today, there's fights that I'm fighting in my body with my physical 
thing. But folks, my faith is in God, not in what some man can do. I thank God that God's got people He can use, aren't you? I mean, if God wasn't using doctors for some of us, we'd be in bad shape. And, and I thank God for that. But I thank God for God. I thank God for Jesus. I thank God for the stripes that He bore. He took my healing. But folks, that I still have to deal with things. And I sit here and I thank God, what, what good can come out of this situation? But I know it can. But He said this now. My brother, and that's all of us, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. King James says temptations. The actual Greek word said test trials and temptations. So count it all joy. When you come up in difficulty in life, count it joy. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, I hope before we get through today that we can understand how to do that. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know all things work together for the good. Everybody say together for the good. And that's all things we're talking about. All things. Work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Let me qualify something right here. If a person is not a Christian, if they're not a believer, Jesus sorted their life, they can't invoke the promise of that verse right there. Because they don't love God. People can say they love God, but just because I say I love God, that's not the acid test of my love for God. Jesus qualified that when He was asked what was the greatest commandment. And He said, Hear, O Israel, and know. And and when He talked about Israel, He wasn't just talking about the Jews there, but this comes to us today. That the Lord thy God is one, and thou shalt love Him. Love Him. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, that's the acid test of love. And there's, I'm going to say this to you, too. There's Christians that don't love God in that respect. You say, well, how can there be Christians and not be that way? Well, uh, let's be honest about it. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we're looking at one that's that way. Come on now, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Because there's times that we're not loving God with all. We need to be. And we can be. Here's the thing of it. And when, I, when, I, when my whole life is set to love God, and all that I do, God's first. Jesus is above everything and everything in my life. I look to Him. I, I, I walk for Him. I, I trust Him. I worship Him. I, I pray to Him. You say, Preacher, I ain't there yet. Well, do everything you can to move in that direction, because this is what He desires for us to do. God first. You see that? God first. I've preached for years. Our number one priority is, is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. Intimate, personal. Personal. 
That means my relationship with Him is based on me and Him. It's not based on you. I thank God you love God. I thank the Lord that you're a Christian, but my relationship with God can't be because you're a Christian. My relationship with Him has to be because I'm a Christian, because Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, all things work together for the good. Now, that word good there is a word that we probably, you know, we take it for granted sometimes, and we say, man, that's good. And there's an expression, part of the expression about, you know, like you eat a uh, sausage biscuit, and you say, man, that's good, and that's okay. And every morning when I drink my, my fruit smoothie, I say, that's good, man, that's good. Loretta tells you, I carry on about it all the time. I say, man, that thing is so good. And I'm not just trying to convince myself. It's an adjective that I really enjoy. And anyway, and there's a, there's a good that's an adjective that expresses pleasure and delight in something about how it makes you feel. But here the word good means benefit. Everything works together for my benefit. See, God's for us, folks. We've got to realize that. He's on our side. He wants what we, we need in our life to be there for us and, and to walk in that kind of thing. So when we think about it, we come into difficulties. We're to count it joy. Why? Because everything's working together for my good. If it was working together to destroy me, then I, I would have a problem having joy in that situation. But when we can hold on to what we have, you see, we can, we can go on. And, and I know you have asked yourself, I have, what good can possibly come out of this? What can, what good can, what can we do to make this thing good? And how can good come? Man, you don't know how bad everything is today. It seems like everything in the world is going wrong. It seems like if it could mess up, it's messed up. I want to ask you a question this morning. In your situation, whatever you're dealing with right now, be it spiritual, physical, financial, mental, whatever it is, did the sun come up this morning? It did, didn't it? And I tell you what, it's got warm out there since it's come up too. You know, and, and if everything was going wrong, the sun wouldn't come up. If it could have, you, if it had, if you wouldn't have been able to see it. Did your automobile crank this morning? You see, everything's not going wrong. Yeah, but that don't matter. That's part of everything, okay? The water still runs when you turn the tap on if you paid your water bill. The refrigerator still keeping things cold. The freezer still freezing. Air conditioner still working. Hopefully. So not everything, and see, this is the attitude that we get. Man, everything just messed up. No, everything is not just messed up. You're at church. I don't think church is messed up. I don't think I'm messed up. And I don't think you're messed up. So not everything, because we get in this kind of a situation, we get under this thing, and we don't look to Jesus, we don't count it joy, then everything in life falls into a category. And it's always bad. I'm reminded of a fellow that, that I'm sure you're familiar with also. Uh, and that's Joseph, the son of Jacob. And I'm sure that Joseph in his lifetime asked himself that question many times. But let's just take a little glimpse of his life. If you want to really read it, you go back and it starts in Genesis, about Genesis chapter 
37, 38, and, and then you'll find Joseph all the way through the rest of the book, plumb on over to chapter 50, 51, ever how many chapters in Genesis. I, I'm sorry that I act like I don't know. Thank you. I mean, I know we're on Facebook Live, but y'all act like you're alive. It'll be okay. Joseph had two dreams as a young boy. Now, his brothers didn't like him to begin with because he was his father's favorite. And his father made him a coat. It's called the coat of many colors. And he made that far specially for him, and that even added to his brother's anger. They didn't like him even the more. So uh, he had two dreams. Joseph dreamed, first of all, that they were out binding sheaves, and that's what that was. It'd be their wheat, and they would go out and cut it with a sickle, and then they'd take a bunch of it in their arm, and then they would tie it. and lay it down. They'd go to the next one, do the same thing. That's how they harvested wheat back in that day, or barley or whatever they were harvesting. And so Joseph said, we were out harvesting wheat, and there's a bunch of sheaves, and I had stood one down, and all of your sheaves bowed down to my sheaves. Well, they didn't like that. Well, you think we're all going to bow down to you? Well, that wasn't good enough. One but a few days, Joseph had another dream. And this time he dreamed in essence that he was the center of the universe. And the sun and moon and 11 stars came and bowed down to him. And he told that. And his father heard it. His father rebuked him and said, said, boy, you think that we're going to bow down to you? I know I, know I love you and and that you're more precious to me than the rest of them, we're not going to bow down to you. And you need to, you need to get off this dream kick. You need to find you something else to do. You know, go out and sing to the sheep or something. Just, just don't be dreaming dreams like this anymore. But Jacob remembered that dream. Well, in just a few days, the brother had taken the sheep off to another place. And so Jacob sent Joseph to find them. And he went over to where they were, and, and they said, here comes the dreamer. Isn't it something that whenever you start doing something for God and you want to be fought, led by the Spirit of God, people are going to find a way to put you down, to try to put binders on you, to hold you down, to keep this going on in your life. Well, here comes the dreamer. And they said it in a derogatory manner. And when they said, tell you what let's do, let's kill him and then tell our father that a, a wild animal killed him. One of them said, no, we can't do that. So he threw him in a pit, and they took his coat. They killed a, a goat. They put blood on the coat. They sent it back to Jacob. And as far as Jacob was concerned, Joseph was dead now. Where he was at was in a pit. He was down in an old, dingy, almost dry well. You ever been there? I mean, it just seemed like, man... I look up, and there's really no way to get out of this. There's no handholds. There's nothing. But there's sometimes, folks, that if we would understand that we come in circumstances in our life, not particularly because God is putting us there, but because God is allowing things to take place in our life so that we can go through a time of training, a time of growth, and allow it to produce something in our life. Now, I want to tell you this. I don't believe God's doing anything bad to anybody. I base that on James 1.17 that says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And if it's not good and it's not perfect, then it's not from God. Okay? 
Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have that more abundantly. So if it's not from God, I mean, if it's not good, if it's not perfect, if it's not for my benefit, then it's not from God. But there's times that things happen. Let me tell you why things will happen sometimes. Sometimes things will happen because that, that God has just said, you know, that we're walking and we go through difficulties. There's times that Satan, and, and I'm going to tell you this, anything you feel like God's leading you through, He's not going to abandon you in it. You will come out of it. It's not designed to kill you. But Satan's going to do things. He'll come along and do things in our life that's designed to kill, steal, and destroy. And anything that we go through, if we don't look to the Lord, that's exactly what it'll end up doing. But then there's times we place ourselves in circumstances. Amen? I mean, we allow things, we'll, we'll create situations sometimes. Our situation will be created. We won't do nothing about it. Just for example, somebody hurt our feelings. Now, that's not our doings. Of course, sometimes, you know, you think, well, you ought not to have your feelings out where they can get hurt. I feel like I've got a real high level of not getting my feelings hurt. I feel like, okay. But let me tell you something. I get my feelings hurt sometimes. And I've got, a, I've got a choice to make, just like you do. I can lay back and allow that to fester and brood in me and, and, and not being willing to forgive, not being willing to move on from that thing, and it will eat me up. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure all of you know what we're talking about. We've got to be willing to forgive regardless of who it is or what the circumstances. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done. I mean, let me ask you this. Did they ever kidnap you and throw you in a pit? Huh? Let me ask you this. See, when they, so that he was in the pit, we don't know how long he was there. But here come a, a herd of uh, traitors, camel caravan come through. They took him out and they sold him, sold their brother into slavery to these Ishmaelites. They took Joseph down to Egypt and sold him into further slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's house. Now, now, can you imagine? Let me ask you this. Or I, I, I know you feel like people sold you out. But it's up to you whether you stay in bondage to that or not. But Joseph, every circumstance he came into, he used it for a benefit. Everything that looked like it was designed to crush him, he turned it into a stepping stone. See, that pit should have crushed him. Should have crushed his spirit. Should have crushed his attitude. Should have made him bitter. And here's another thing. Lorraine and I were talking about this at breakfast the other morning. That everything that comes along in life, there's two results that's going to come out of that. You're either going to get bitter or you're going to get better. So that's the reason that we need to stop and say, what good can come out of this? And understand that as I trust Jesus through this thing, I'm going to come out and be better in this circumstance. So here's Joseph down here at Potiphar's house. And he rose up so quick in that thing that Potiphar made him head over his house. And I was thinking about that. Look here. He was able to spend Potiphar's money. He'd go to the grocery store for Potiphar, buy his clothes, and, I mean, tell his servants what to do. He had complete run of that house. And Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, said, He has given everything into my hand but you, and he's not going to give you because you're his wife. Can you think about that? Listen, can you imagine 
the clout this young man had, a Hebrew slave. If he had got let his spirit and attitude and future get crushed over here in the pit, he'd have never been able to be that in Potiphar's house. See, the thing that we've got to realize is that God was, was there giving Joseph some preview of his destiny. Now, I want you to understand this too. We all, we all realize where we want to be and what we want to come to. And God will show us that end. Jeremiah 29, 11. There's a familiar verse to all of us. So I'm not preaching you anything you had not already heard before, have you? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I want you to get a hold of this this morning. This is what God said. For I know the thoughts. This is the thoughts of God. This is not the thoughts of the President, the Congress, the Supreme Court. This is not even your pastor's thoughts, okay? Even though I think good about you. Don't get me wrong. This is God's thoughts. The thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Hallelujah. And that's not just talking about when we get to heaven, folks. That's talking about in this life. Another translation says to bring us to an expected end. Well, A heart, a desire, a dream that's within us, and God will bring us to that. But, you know, one thing that God don't show us is the stuff in between. If He did, we wouldn't go. <laughs> We'd say, uh, God, can I change my dream over for another one? Can I, you give me another direction? I, you know, and, and one thing about it, though, folks, every time we want to lay down our cross and get another one, we realize that that cross we're picking up is bigger than the one we just laid down. The easiest way for us to walk in life, and you young people listen to me, the easiest way for us to go in life, the one with more success and less resistance, is the way God wants us to walk, what He has designed for us in our life. That's the easiest way. When we begin to go against that, see, there's a proverb that says, the way of the transgressor is hard. When we transgress against the way of God, that's when life gets really hard and tough and difficult, and that's the kind of thing that will bring us down. In Potiphar's house, Joseph was a fine-looking young man. He just, I don't know how old he was at this time, a few years older than he had got to be in the pit. And he was, he was a fine-looking young man, good physique, good character, and Potiphar's wife had evil thoughts. She accused Joseph of rape. Come in, told Potiphar. I'm sure Potiphar said, Man, I, can't, I give this guy everything in my house. And now then, and, and of course there's a lie, you know. It was a complete lie. J- Joseph retained his purity and his integrity even at the onslaught of a, of a wealthy woman doing everything she could to lure him. But he kept his purity. He kept his purity of spirit, his purity of mind, and his purity of body. He kept it all. Young people, let that be a lesson to you. Read about Joseph in Potiphar's house and say, this is the way I intend to be regardless of the pressure anyone puts on me. I'm going to be pure. When your purity is messed up, your mind gets to hurting. 
your spirit gets to suffering. Your body will suffer. So keep your purity. Well, Joseph ended up in prison. Can you imagine? Here's this young man, first day in prison. I can't believe this. How is my dreams ever going to be realized when I'm sitting here in prison? Man, accused, falsely accused. They could even take my head off for this. But, but in that, listen, if you'll read it in, in Genesis there, he rose up in the prison to where the, the head guard made him the head over all the prisoners. He'd tell them what to do every day, where to go, what, you know, when they could have their activity time. And, and, and all of this, he was there. One day there was a couple of guys, a butcher and a cupbearer, that had got put in prison because Pharaoh didn't like them anymore. They didn't do what he, what he said when he said to do it. And so they had a dream. And out of this dream, the cupbearer got delivered and the baker got his head took off. But Joseph told them what their dream was. So the only time I find that Joseph had any kind of complaint, he said this. He told that cupbearer, said, When you come before the king, remember me to him. I've been in here two years and all this time. I, I was sold in slavery. I'm here wrongly. I was falsely accused. So remember me to the king. I will, I will, I will. Well, he got out two years later, two years later now. And I'm sure Joseph said, that's sorry, guy. See if I interpret any more dreams for him. We don't find that. He didn't get bitter. And one day, Pharaoh had a dream. and he, Joseph got called up because the cupbearer told him about Joseph interpreting the dream. He got called up. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And I'm going to shorten this right here because I've got a lot more to say. And out of that, Joseph became the second in command in all the land of Egypt. Think about that. He's to a place now. Let me tell you something. He's to a place now that if he could remember those Ishmaelite traders next time they come to town, he could have them arrested. Can you imagine what he could have done? He said, Pharaoh told him, said that every man in this kingdom will do what you tell them to do because I'm Pharaoh and you're second in command. He could have had Potiphar and his wife put to death for the lie they told on him, and he ended up in prison. He could have had that cupbearer for so long, you know, waiting so long. He could have had all of these things, but you don't find any bitterness in Joseph any way whatsoever. The famine, the brothers came, that whole story, the brothers came, and finally they went back and got their father, when the, and Joseph revealed himself to them, and the father came, and when they came, let me tell you this, get a hold of this. The father, the mother, and 11 brothers bowed down to Joseph. The Word of God says that whenever your ways please the Lord, He makes even your enemies be at peace with you. They bowed down to Him. The end. But that wasn't the end of the thing. Jacob lived a few more years and he died. He blessed all of them before his death. He lived a few more years and then he died, and the brothers got together and said, Now that Daddy's dead, uh, Joseph may forget the goodness and have us killed. And he could have done that. So they sent a word to him, and then they came themselves. And when they came themselves, they bowed down to him. They said, Please have mercy on us. Don't destroy us. 
And in Genesis chapter 50, listen to what Job said, Joseph said. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I'm in the pla- for am I in the place of God? Now that's something you need to think about. There's not a one of us today that has enough God authority that we can stand in judgment over somebody else regardless of what they've done. Not a one of us. We don't have the right to stand in the place of God. Jesus said that God judges righteous judgment. You say, yeah, but no, no. Listen, there's no yeah buts with it. Judge not one another, brethren. Judge not. Judge not. We're not God. We don't know people's thoughts and intents. We only see actions and hear words. It's not up for us to judge and place that death regardless of what it may be on anyone. He said, Do not be afraid, for I am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. All things work together for the good. God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. In essence, they came and said, forgive us. And Joseph said, I forgive. Maybe what's going on in your life, to think about this. What went on in Joseph's life was not for Joseph. There was a bigger picture involved in that. Maybe maybe what's going on in your life is to end in something bigger than just yourself. Think about the people around you that if you'll come out of this situation trusting Him and walking with Him and not get bitter but get better, and allow the grace of God to really think about other people that it can touch. If it's been an offense that someone has thrown on you, and do you realize that when you forgive them, even though they don't ask for it, that when you forgive them, you release them from a whole bunch of bondage, but more than that, you release yourself. See, there's, there's times that, that family relationships get strained. Husband get offended, or husband... You know, wife says things or does things. And the other way around, husband says or does things and the wife gets offended. And, and there's problems that come between them. Sometimes problems in marriage comes about because of finances. Sometimes it comes about, matter of fact, finance is the biggest reason that marriage problems exist. Did you know that? Arguing over finances. Fussing about finances. Another, another thing that causes problems between uh, parents sometimes are children. The way that, that one or the other are doing the children. And, 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 and you know, there's, there's a fence taken. And sometimes problems come because of that. Sometimes brothers and sisters, siblings get out with each other over family situations, over inheritances and wills and, and over property and things of that nature. And we, you know, but when people will come together, can you see how that so many people that that can affect whenever you, you see if there's problems between a husband and wife children know it they understand that 
And whenever that husband and wife will come together and work through those things and, and grow closer together than they were before, the, the positive effect that it has on the children. When, when, uh, if it's siblings, and say two brothers get out with each other, and there's more siblings involved, and when those two brothers come together instead of tearing up the family, it brings the family together. So many, in churches, it's the same way. You see, problems arise in churches. And you know, you don't know how many times that I thank God for our church. There may be problems in our church that are tough, and I might just be ignorant and blind, okay? Maybe I've chosen to be ignorant and blind. And I know that we're people, but folks, as far as unity goes, I've never been around a church that seemingly has the unity and the love one for another that our church does. And, and that's just something that I'm so thankful for all the time. Thankful for that kind of thing. I'm glad that when we come to church, there's not an electrifying atmosphere, negative electrifying. I like to, when we come to church, to be a positive electricity going on. And I thank God. But there's churches that, that they get tore apart because of individuals' desires and wants. But when they're willing to come together, and get those things worked out, the whole church benefits from it. So you see, when we get in situations in life, when Joseph kept the right attitude, it did not only benefit him and his wife and his children and the land of Egypt, it benefited his entire family. Think about that. Because he chose to stay where he needed to be before the Lord. Friendship relationships that get strained. And, and you know, uh, we, we want to look at somebody and say, you're my BFF. But down the road, something could happen in that. And if we don't watch it, that'll pull us apart. And not only that, but it, it'll begin to separate other people as well. But when those two people come back and get over that, it benefits everybody around. There's no way that we can, can uh, not get right with God and have the right attitude and it not be a benefit to everybody. Real quick, the best thing that can come out of your trial, you say, well, what? let me tell you the best thing that can come out of what you're going through right now. You ready for this? Patience. Patience. Now, we're not talking about the ability to put up with things. Even though that's an attitude, that's the definition that we find of patience nowadays, is just the ability to put up with somebody. Oh, Lord, give me patience for Brother Wayne. You know how he is. Just How many times have you prayed that prayer? I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's not what I'm... But anyway, that helped. Long-suffering, the Bible calls that. Oh, King James calls that long-suffering. And we need that. Love is patient, kind, and and long-suffering. And we need that with each other. But what I'm talking about is steadfast endurance that regardless of what's going on, I'm not going to turn loose of the hand of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep walking with Him. I'm going to hold on to Him. And if I start to sink, then He's going to lift me up. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because He's with me. His rod and His staff, and He comforts me. I'm not going to turn loose of Him regardless of what may go. The world can go away, but I'm going to walk with God every day of my life, and I'm going to stay with Him. And I'm not going to get proud and haughty about doing it either. 
You know, I'm not going, you know, here's one thing that people do if you don't watch it. They'll get, man, I'm going to stick with God. You need to, too. You need to be like me. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray every day. You need to, you need. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is growing with God and staying with Him and walking in love regardless of what may be going on. Regardless of the situation. The patience that, that will come from that. See, patience causes us to receive the promise of God. What is the promise? When we're going through a situation, what's the promise? Going through it and coming out, that's the promise. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, great promise of reward, for you have need of endurance, patience, the King James says. You have need of endurance that so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What's the will of God? To hold on to His hand and go through this thing. Patience keeps us running the race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Seeing therefore that we are passed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with endurance, patience, the race that is set before us. Mark and Hallie and Peyton ran in a 5K at midnight the other night, and they enjoyed it. Mark said that Carbon's not as flat as Faultful is. There's hills in Coleman. <laughs> and, uh, but he finished that race, even though it took longer to get there. And folks, here's the thing about it. In this life, we're not timed. There's not checkpoints along the way that we've got to finish, get to this place at a certain time. We're not timed as to how quick we run the race. We're rewarded for how we run the race. And we've got to run it with endurance. Peyton ran that race, and he didn't fare as well. He finished it, but uh, he'd eat a whole bunch of Mexican food for supper that night and ended up throwing up about three times during that race. He was involuntarily laying aside every weight. <laughs> we keep going. We keep going. The promise is there. The reward is there. The crown is there, folks. The, the results is there. But we've got to keep going to get there. And we can't let this circumstance stop us. We've got to keep walking with the Lord. That's the only way. Because the next verse says, looking unto Jesus. That's why you run it with patience. Looking unto Jesus is the only way you can do it. I like Ecclesiastes. Chapter 7, verse 8 in the New Living Translation, it says, Finishing is better than starting. You think about that. I'm sure that Mark, when he started that race, did not realize those hills was out there. A lot of questions, a lot of people around him. Probably had questions, and, and, and he knew that he had to start, though. You've got to start to finish. So he started. And he ran that race. And when he got through with it, it was a whole lot better than starting, wasn't it, Mark? 
I mean, it just felt a whole lot. I'm through with this thing now. I've accomplished this. I've done this. I've run this race. And folks, that's what we're going to be doing one of these days here on this earth. And especially when we get to heaven, we're going to be like Paul that said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've run my race. I've kept the faith. And because of that, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me it that day. And not to me only, but unto all those that love His appearing. I'm here to tell you today, folks, stay the course. Go with it. Keep that patience regardless of the situation because finishing is better than starting was. Hallelujah. God's good, isn't He? Thank you, Jesus. I, like I said, I don't know what you may or may not be going through. That's you. you. You choose to share it with me. I'll pray for you. But that's not the important thing. Sharing it with me is not the important thing. Those song of the church does not say, take your burdens to the pastor and leave them there. It says, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Leave them there. The situation that you're going through, I'm sure you've prayed about it, but if you haven't, today's a good time to pray about it. And ask God to help you. Ask Him to give you direction, give you understanding. Lord, I know that you have an expected end for me. I know there's a future, and I know there's a hope. And I pray, Father, today that you help me to walk with you. Holy Spirit, live big in my life so that I can stay faithful to you. If there's if there's offense involved and you need to forgive, today would be a good time to do that because that's going to propel you on down the road. It's going to get you further. Folks, God's on our side. A great cloud of witnesses is pulling for us. And they're saying to us today, hey, look, we run the race. We went through the difficulties. We went through the problems and the circumstances. No doubt Joseph is sitting there in that heavenly gallery saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can get out of that pit. You can get out of that prison. You can get out of that dungeon and you can rise. Remember this. Robert Shuler said this, and I read it in a book and I liked it. I've thought about it a whole lot of times. He grew up in Idaho where they raised potatoes. Back in the day when they had a horse and wagon that they would load the potatoes on and haul them to the, to the house to preserve them. And he said he found out something back in that day. They'd load those potatoes on that wagon, just randomly load them on there. And on that rough road back to the place where they'd put them, the big potatoes always come to the top. Big potatoes come to the top on a rough road. Life can be a rough road, but we can come to the top. Bow your heads with me.